Hello and welcome to the 10.5th episode. No, wait, that doesn't work, right? <laughs> 10. Point, how do I say this? 10.5 episode? Episode 10 and a bit. Okay. Hello and welcome to episode 10 and a bit of the Pointy Hatcast. I am your host, Sam, also known as Lucky O'Brien on Twitch. And we are joined today by our co-host, fellow cowboys, Barry. What's up, guys? And Isaiah is busy partying in Korea. He'll be back next week. Today's episode is on the best space waifu sim, Cowboys and Aliens. Our email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Please send us any questions or comments, as well as any requests for movies for us to watch. Now, Cowboys and Aliens was released on July 2011 in the U.S. It was directed by John Favreau. The script was written by Robert Orchi, Alex Kurtzman, and many, many more people. It stars Daniel Craig, Harrison Ford, Olivia Wilde, and also so many, many more people. Uh, currently, as of this podcast, it has a Rotten Tomato score of 45% for critics and 43% for audience. Here's a little blurb about the movie. A spaceship arrives in Arizona, 1873, to take over the Earth, starting with the Wild West region. A posse of cowboys and natives are all that stand in their way. So here are my thoughts about this movie. This movie is amazing. (laughs) I think it's a really fun movie. I don't think it's actually stupid or bad. I don't think it's one of those movies where it's so bad it's good. It's just weird. It's so weird that it's good. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just so out there. It's really out there. And everything Barry mentioned about it is true. It's kind of hard to recommend to people because it's not really a cowboy film. It's not really a space film. It's an anime. (laughs) I was thinking about it. And the reason why it's hard to recommend is it basically follows the same format and the formula of an anime and also this movie is incredibly fun it's weird but it's fun and it's it's a marvelous ride yeah i really enjoyed this movie when it came out i saw it in theaters i think the trailer for it played before iron man 2 or 3 and i turned to my friends who i was in the theater with and we all said we're gonna go see this movie (laughs) (laughs) it looks so weird and based on that alone we went to go see it and i'm happy that we did because i really enjoyed it it was fun it had charisma and it felt a lot like a movie that somebody just wanted to make because it's a movie that they wanted to make rather than being a product of some film machine to make the maximum amount of dollars because anybody that looks at this script could say this is not going to make that much money but it's interesting it's a good point yeah i could feel that whoever made it and the people in it they were all on board for this project maybe they weren't but they sure look like they were The final product, I felt like it was a almost a labor of love. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The budget was a little lacking to polish some of the parts. Oh, yeah. There's some bad, bad CGI. Yeah. <laughs> some pretty bad. But when you watch it, it doesn't feel incompetent or like hacked together to make money. Because this kind of movie doesn't make money to begin with. Right. It didn't feel like that at all. And that's why I enjoyed it. Because it's the fruit of someone else's hard labor and dreams. Someone dreamed about making this movie. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about this a a bit more later on. You get the sense that this is Jean Favreau saying to the studio, hey, I've made you guys a lot of money. Why don't you take some of that and help me make this movie that I've had this idea for for a long time. It's really dumb, (laughs) but I want to make it. And I think I've earned the right. This is my director film that I just wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, I got that feeling a little bit. I don't know anything about the production for this movie, to be clear. I don't know any of the background stories or why it got made or how it got made. But looking at the cast... 
like the writing and production credits, the time and place this took place in. So that's the sense I got. Yeah. Is it in between the Iron Man movies? I believe so. I think both between two and three. Yeah, and he was the director for both of them, right? One and two? Uh, all three. One, two, and three. Oh, all three. Okay, all right. I think that the narrative is weird, but kind of straightforward. Outlaw with amnesia wakes up in the desert. Some local character drama, which I kind of liked. A little bit on the nose, but it was it was all right. It was kind of classic Western stuff, like yep. the spoiled son, you know, the outlaw, the upright sheriff, the doc, barkeep, the barkeep. Yeah. These are all classic Western archetypes, and it's they're, they're they're there deliberately because that's what the role they're playing. The barkeep, by the way, played by Sam Rockwell. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely yeah. charming. Was that Salma Hayek as his wife? It's uh, Incarnacion, the <laughs> nun from Nacho Libre. They look very similar, but they're different people. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Man. I'm glad she got some roles, dude. Okay. I was like, she looks very familiar. So I looked her up and I was like, I knew it. That's why I like this movie even more. Sister Incarnacion from Nacho Libre. All right, fair enough. Yeah. And the rest of it is just aliens want gold. That's the whole movie. That's it. And everything is just about the little character dramas and how they play out over the course of the movie, which is which is really nice. It's really nice. It is. The ending, third act, the action is pretty dumb. It's okay. It's all about wrapping up those little character threads. Yeah. Surprisingly, I think this narrative is actually pretty solid. It's nothing new. It doesn't do anything new at all. It's very typical and sometimes cliche at points. But I think they did an extremely good job adding color to these characters that are supposed to be one-dimensional in Westerns. Daniel Craig's character is actually the most boring one. (laughs) He has amnesia. (laughs) He used to be a criminal. Again, that's totally an anime trope. Main guy wakes up, he's like, I don't know who I am. And then three guys, criminals walk in, they got like scalps on their horses. And it's like, look at here, boys, we got a bounty here. And then he just kills all of them. (laughs) (laughs) And then you know that he's like a badass. The mystery unravels. Oh, he had a wife. She was a prostitute. He's a criminal with the heart of gold. Not literally, (laughs) but figuratively. (laughs) And then he steals gold. And then aliens come in to get the gold because somehow they can detect it. And then they kill the wife in the process and he's like oh no it was all because of me the tropes are so anime like you might throw a western audience off i think this movie would do probably better in japan a little bit <laughs> where it's like oh, this is a very tame anime <laughs> we've seen worse or weirder things but yeah, i really like the character that harrison ford played very typical if you watch a lot of anime he seems very violent but on the inside he's a softy and then he has his son, who's a complete a-hole, spoiled, complete wuss, living under his father's shadow and just taking advantage of that. You see that in the beginning scene where he's like at the bar and never pays, causing trouble. It's like, do you know who my dad is? That kind of character. But then I really liked his aide, the helper character, second in command, Native American character that he saved when he was a little kid. And this guy completely adores Harrison Ford. General, no, Colonel? What was he? <laughs> Colonel, I think. Yeah, Colonel Dollar something, Dollar Hide. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Completely Western name. Colonel McAngry. Yeah, Colonel McAngry. And, you know, he doesn't recognize it. Just completely throws him to the side until the very end when he realizes that he's the son that he always wanted. And he knows that Harrison Ford is the father that he always wanted. Doesn't get recognized until the very end when he dies. <laughs> yeah, this nice little character arc, you know, all these little things. Yeah, very sad. 
yeah, you, you, get, you get a little bit of feels there, but the the surrounding things that are happening are so weird and obtuse. Might kind of prevent the audience from resonating with these characters and relating with them. But I think they're well done. There was a lot of effort put into these characters that should have just been throwaway characters. Focus on the co- main conflict with aliens and just showcase visuals. But they actually wrote these characters in. And that's why I think the narrative, the overall story is whatever, but these small character arcs make up for it and make it worth watching give it a little bit of color and flavor compared to like a standard western i sort of agree i think that some of the best westerns are great character stories in and of themselves the stories themselves the narratives are always basically the same yeah that's kind of the formula and in a weird way this this movie pays homage to that with how weird but straightforward the narrative itself is a lot of the movie, a lot of the script is, is kind of a love letter to classic Western. It is. Same tropes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's very broad strokes. And you get the sense that it's all very deliberate. They're just playing in the genre and smashing sci-fi into it for fun. Yeah. Sometimes literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. You get all these little bits that tell you that people just really had a lot of fun making the movie. Yeah. Which you can really appreciate. Also, I wanted to add in, there's some story elements that you don't see coming. So Olivia Wilde is this, it's this girl who's just following Daniel Craig around because she wants to save her people from the aliens too. At least that's the story she gives. And then she's knocked out. He's carrying her through the desert and then she dies in his arms. <laughs> you can't play that song, I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight. Uh, we won't do that because <laughs> the copyright or licensing. After she dies, they come across a tribe of uh, it's an Apaches and they just bundle her and throw her into a campfire or just a funeral fire. Again, it's kind of weird, but then she just zooms back up like the phoenix yeah <laughs> and everyone's like whoa what's happening also she's naked so she wakes up from the fire turns out she's an alien who took on the form of a really hot girl so she's a space waifu this is an anime yeah that's where the sci-fi part comes in but they could play it completely serious it's not a joke they don't make a joke out of it yeah everything is done completely seriously in this movie as much of a joke as the premise is nothing nothing is played as a joke in the movie there's no wink wink nudge nudge there's no meta humor it's all done with care and, and attention which is weird you go into this movie you expect it to be like a satire or a parody or something and it's not and I think maybe the, the review scores reflect this because people were probably expecting that. They were probably expecting a comedy, and it just isn't. (laughs) It is exactly what it tells you it's going to be. Yes, cowboys and aliens. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The main narrative is pretty straightforward, but the character arcs inside of it make up for it and make it more flavorful. I think it adds a lot to it. Even the weird, I'm an alien from space. Yeah. But they play it so straightforward, like very sad, that you just go along with it. You're like, okay, it just feels normal. Yeah. I think they did the right decision there, playing everything seriously. Because if it was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge joke, then the whole movie itself becomes a joke. And because they didn't do that, I think I enjoyed it a lot more. It's kind of refreshing how straightforward the movie is. The tendency these days is to fill movies with those little moments where you're kind of winking at the audience, you know? It's a lot of meta-humor, and it's fine. You can appreciate it. It's funny. It has some levity. But you don't get as many movies that play everything as straight, yeah. you know? And it's it's really refreshing, which I really appreciated at the time when I saw this, because this was Iron Man and, like, all the snarky humor and sarcasm in that film, and this is all straight. <laughs> it's the straight man to Iron Man's openness. <laughs> yeah. 
I appreciate how honest the film is. It's not pretentious at all. It doesn't pretend to be something it's not. Yeah. It knows what it is, but it's taking itself very seriously. It's not trying to say that I'm better than everyone else. It's just saying this is what I am, and I want you to like me for what I am, and I can appreciate that even more. So I want to talk a little bit about the cinematography in this movie. The way it's shot, it has so many classic shots from westerns. Yeah. From right from the opening, the way everything's framed and blocked, you get a lot of it, especially in the little ambush scene with the with the bandits in like the little canyon where they're doing intercutting between people taking pot shots on the canyon walls. You know, <laughs> that's such a classic trope from westerns, and you can kind of tell that everybody on site is kind of giggling yeah. behind the cameras as they're shooting it. It's so much fun. You're completely right. I, I when I was watching it. It felt like an old Western movie. You know, you can just add film grain effects on top of it, and you would be like, oh, this movie was made back in the good old days of Westerns. It's had the same feel. Until you hit the sci-fi part, which is filmed a little differently. The sci-fi shots are done completely differently, and for obvious reasons, you know, there's a marked difference. As soon as spaceships start flying around, they start doing the aerial panning and tracking shots. Most of the character stuff is done. Regular cameras, tripods, maybe wide tracking shots. It's just classic Western cinema. I really, really like it. Yeah, nothing outstanding here. It's just very competent and well done. I mean, obviously the CGI bits, the CGI aliens are a little bit goofy. (laughs) It's okay. It's perfectly fine. When aren't they goofy? That's the question. They do their best to hide it. A lot of the shots are at night or like in a cave with lower lighting. You only see like a brief glimpse of them. Yeah. Oh, you see something moving in the corner of your eye and it's gone. (laughs) Yeah, they know their limitations and they use everything sparingly, which is great. That's just good filmmaking. But like, man, those few shots where they're out in the open and even daylight, it's real bad. (laughs) Yeah. There's not many of them, but it's very noticeable, especially I think only in that third act. Yeah, it was mostly in the end. That first scene in the town is entirely at night. That scene where they're camping and the alien is kind of running around is also at night. There's some daytime stuff. There's that little attack on their convoy. And then the last third act is all during the day. But it works. It's the most classic way to hide bad CGI, which is just do everything at night. Low lighting, limited shots. Wow, they actually had a decent production budget for this. I'm surprised. It was like $163 million, apparently, was the production budget. Holy cow. That's a lot. Yeah. Like I said, I'm sure if John Favreau just said to Disney or whoever, like, guys, I made you a lot of money. Just take some of it and <laughs> let me make a movie. It was distributed by Universal, actually. Wow. How did it do in the box office? 174 worldwide. Okay, not bad. It made its money back. It essentially made $0, considering investment. Again, it's a movie that they just wanted to make. And I'm glad it's out. I'm glad this got made. Weird movies like this are really hard to get made. Yeah. Really hard to get made. John Favreau was the director, and I get the sense that he pushed really hard just to get this movie made. And when he got the green light, he called up all of his friends and said, Guys, I got this stupid idea for a movie. You want to come make a Cowboys and Aliens movie? And everyone's like, sign me the fuck up. <laughs> Let's go. There's so many stars here that it's incredible. Like, if you read through the entire cast, there's too many, and all of them, well, it depends on who's reading the cast list, I guess. But for me, I recognize most of these people in the movie. They're not nobodies. They're somebodies. And just blows my mind. Yeah. I think this brings up a good point you made earlier in earlier podcasts that Star Draw necessarily doesn't pull weight in the box office for every single movie because this movie has so many stars and it did so poorly. <laughs> <laughs> There's <laughs> Daniel Craig, Abigail Spencer, Clancy Brown, Paul Dano, Olivia Wilde, Chris Browning, Adam Beach, Sam Rockwell, Ana de la Fragura, don't know how to read the name, Ryan Duff, Keith Carradine, 
That's not even like half of the cast there. It is star-studded, and the I don't know what you say. The studio crew is stacked too. Steven Spielberg was an executive producer on this project. Wow. Okay. The writing credits, although I'm not a fan of the writers, are also pretty stacked. It's as you said, Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orci who wrote Star Trek. Ooh, okay. Okay. That's probably what they're most known for. And Damon Lindelof, who I'm massively not a fan. Okay. Of, who wrote very famously Lost. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He also. Has writing credits on Star Trek and Prometheus and a number of other fairly well-known works. It's definitely just a bunch of directors and producers that love making movies that wanted to grab all their talented friends and just have some fun with this movie. And it's like Harrison Ford. I bet John Favreau called up Steven Spielberg. He's like, Steven, man, I want, I want Harrison for this project. And I know he has negative fifty fucks left to give, but could you call him and have him come to my movie? <laughs> and that's the character he played. And Steven's like, oh. Oh, John, come on. Harrison doesn't work for less than 100 mil these days. I'll give him a call. It's <laughs> <That's> our budget. <laughs> this entire budget is getting Harrison for. Yeah. I'm sure most of the budget was spent on actors, to yeah, be honest. There's so many actors. Because this was probably mostly Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig, because this is at like the height of Daniel Craig's powers. James Bond. Yeah, this was after Casino Royale. It was probably before Quantum of Solace. Yeah, Daniel Craig was big time box office at the time. Olivia Wilde at the time was pretty popular as well. This was right, probably a little bit before Tron Legacy. She was super popular, and Harrison Ford is obviously Harrison Ford. Nothing left to say. What happened to Olivia Wilde, by the way? Feels like she just dropped off the face of movie making. I have no idea. The last movie I remember seeing her in was Rush, probably. Rush. When did that come out? In 2013. 2013. Okay. Yeah. She's done a lot of smaller movies. It's okay. She she was in Cowboys and Aliens, and that's all that counts. <laughs> the best movie ever made. She's moving into producing and directing, I guess. That's pretty cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's probably why. But... Yeah, absolutely. This is just John Favreau calling up some buddies. Let's make a movie about cowboys and aliens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Steven, you ain't got shit to do. Let's go. <laughs> uh. And you can look at another similarly weird film some of you may have heard of called Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Oh, uh, you mean a bad film? But the premise is equally dumb. Yeah. And that movie was terrible. That movie was incredibly bad. And yet this movie featuring also Spielberg... Because Spielberg, obviously, director producer on Kingdom of a Crystal Skull. This movie works. It does. Maybe it's the lack of George Lucas. I don't know. But. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think it's just the everyone there wanted to make this film. Whereas, you know, in Indiana Jones, it's a huge movie that generates cash. You can make it just to grab money if you wanted to. Yeah. Again, this movie was never going to make a lot of money. It broke even, which probably exceeded their wildest expectations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have any any notes on like the score? Score is pretty just straightforward for me. The scoring did its job. The right type of music to put in motion for those scenes. Nothing really outstanding for me. It was just there. It was competent. It wasn't overdone. Where in these older movies, mm. like Independence Day, there's music in almost every scene, and it drives me insane. Oh yeah, it's telling you how to feel. And I know that's like the old school. It's very overpowering. Yeah, it's overpowering. Whereas this movie, some some moments are silent, like a Western should be, and I enjoy that. The only musical notes that I really recall are the opening, really. And there was a classic Western opening, like the, the cold open, and then you get the main theme, which is a nice musical callback to Westerns of old. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. That's all you need. Yeah, that's all you need. It was nice. What do you think about the performances? 
For the most part, I enjoyed them. Some of them were a little bit uneven. Harrison Ford, you can tell he was only kind of half wanted to be there. He had some fun with some bits, but <laughs> yeah, this is in Harrison Ford's long hibernation of not giving a shit. <laughs> yeah. He just plays himself, I think. Old, grumpy guy who doesn't care about anything. The 30 years of Harrison Ford where he just didn't care. Yeah. He's had a kind of a return to form recently. I'm not sure why, but it was an okay performance by him. Daniel Craig, uh, I don't think he had a lot to work with, but he did all right. Olivia Wilde was pretty decent. I think almost all the side characters had my favorite performances because they were all just hamming it up just enough where it felt fun rather than like a cartoonish. I completely agree. I like the side characters a lot. I like the spoiled son <laughs> of Harrison Ford. Yeah. You hate him. It's like this guy is a spineless D-bag. And then when he meets Daniel Craig, just headbutts him. No, he kicks him in the dick. Oh, he kicks him. <laughs> kicks all right. Him. <laughs> He just kicks him in the balls, nails him. And then later when they're in prison, they're in cells next to each other. And the spoiled son is just spitting on him. And then he just reaches in, yanks him against the bars, and knocks him cold. And then they walk in and it's like, oh, what happened to him? It's like, oh, I don't know. I liked it a lot. You nailed it. It's like hammy enough to the point where it's fun and it's not a joke. Yeah, I'll put that down to great directing from John Favreau. He really understands how to achieve a good level of comedy without it being really overbearing. Yeah. Which you see a lot of his influences in Marvel now. They've definitely tipped further towards comedy to the point where there's now like the Marvel-esque comedy. That phrase gets thrown around a lot, especially in reference to The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> it's a comedy movie. It's a comedy and a tragedy. You can really tell here that he knew where to direct the performances and keep it just even enough where it wasn't comical rather than just funny. It's like you kind of like these characters. You kind of like all of them, even the douchebags, yep. just because it's so much fun. The only characters you don't like are the aliens. <laughs> Is that a character? They're the actual D-bags, yeah. <laughs> Uh, They're taking the gold. They're melting it and transferring it to the core of the spaceship. But it doesn't really explain why they're taking the gold. They don't need to. In my mind, I'm thinking, what if they're just greedy? They just want to collect gold to be rich. And I was like, oh, no, that makes it even worse in my mind. If they needed the gold, I would have been like, okay, I understand. It's a resource you need. So you're going from planet to planet, taking all the gold that you can. It's just a dumb, dumb motivation. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't matter. I have this suspicion that it's kind of a joke. They're just there for gold. It's like a Western trope. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a Western trope, but with aliens. Yeah, with aliens. I feel like that's probably the only real nudge, nudge, wink, wink in the entire movie, and it's just baked into the plot, which is kind of a joke in and of itself. It's like the writers and directors like, you know what aliens want? Gold. Gold. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. Even though they're like completely naked. (laughs) Yeah, they're like naked, and they like flew from like a planet like five bajillion light years away. And they're flying a potato. (laughs) Yeah, they're flying potatoes, and we're just like, why are these things here? What possible unfathomable reasons could they have for being on Earth? Oh, they want gold. Yeah, they want gold. It's just so weird. Yeah, and the uh, main plot point for why the aliens are there picking up humans, I think that falls apart for me, but again, it doesn't really matter. They're there to capture humans, test on them, find their weaknesses, and then eliminate the entire planet full of humans so they can go collect all the gold. And I was like, that's a little bit silly because they're just, there's one potato ship and it's taking all the gold that it can and super slow. Why would you need to kill the entire planet full of humans to do that? You just take your time. It's just weird. 
weird and a little bit dumb, but pretty charming. It is pretty charming. That could be your entire review. Weird, a little bit dumb, but charming. It is very weird, I must say. I think that basically covers everything I have to say about this movie. It's a surprisingly simple movie for all the weirdness. Don't let the weirdness throw you off track the movie is very straightforward personally i would give this movie oh it's so hard to re- i'm gonna give it five suicide squads five oh, five suicide, suicide squads. squads okay that's pretty generous i want to give it six it's not the best movie ever the narrative again nothing special to it it works there's some logical fallacies that are there but they don't really care about it that's not the whole point it works though everything works for some odd reason it just works and it's super charming like you said before and when i watched it i had a lot of fun i had so much fun watching this movie it's one of those movies where you don't have to think about anything you just turn it on just let it wash over you and you're like that was really fun and then you kind of forget about it but you always remember you just have a big grin the whole time yeah this is the kind of movie that i want to see more of just people that want to make a movie that might be a little bit dumb it might be weird but it's completely charming and they believe in it i think the biggest problem with the movie is that the budget was so big yeah. <laughs> they probably could have done with a little bit less i'm sure all of it went to paying the actors to be honest because yeah. there's so many so in summary as i've said before this is a movie that i don't know who to recommend it to you can't really recommend it to everyone therefore i'm recommending it to everyone <laughs> everyone should take a minute and go see this movie wherever you can it's weird and charming and fun you're right you can't really recommend it to anyone so i think it's a good idea to recommend it to everyone i'd be interested in people's thoughts and opinions about this movie if you do check it out please write us at ponyhatcast at gmail.com i would love to see what other people think all right i think with that we're gonna sign off for this one all right this has been episode 10.5 on cowboys and aliens thank you so much for listening in catch us next time on the pony hatcast Thanks for dropping by, guys. Stay pointy. Stay pointy.